Hello everyone and thank you for joining XROM podcast. I'm your host Eddie Avil. XROM podcast is designed to celebrate, showcase and shape the AR, VR, MR industry and to help you understand and learn about this transformational technology which holds potential to change the way we live, work and play. It was a complete pleasure speaking with Kevin Joyce, founder of VR Focus, one of the top XR news platform plus VR AR pioneers and XR webzine where I have had the privilege to be a contributing writer. He's also the lead evangelist at Admix and a community builder who enables developers content creators to improve their monetization strategies. An inspiring conversation and I hope you enjoy this. So thank you Kevin this, uh, sincerely appreciate you joining XR on podcast thank you for giving time and it's actually the christmas eve 24th and i'm bothering <laughs> on a podcast really appreciate you doing this so, so Kev so you been one of the front runners right you at this point time you have with VR AR pioneers admix but you all, all started with VR focus right so so tell me your journey you been one of the uh, one of the first webzine you know i mean digital uh, magazine so 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 can you start with VR focus Sure. Uh, well, my, my history actually goes back a little bit further than VR Focus. So uh, originally I started in uh, traditional games media. Uh, I ran a, a network of websites, uh, UK-centric, uh, from 2003 I launched that publication. And uh, that was covering traditional video games, so like uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, mobile games, PC games. And it was from that that I had the opportunity to launch VR Focus. So essentially, because I'd been doing it for quite some time, uh, I built a bit, bit of reputation as being a, a respectable journalist in the industry. And right. uh, I got offered the opportunity to start VR Focus. So uh, I left traditional uh, games journalism behind and moved on, or went all in on VR, which uh, at the time was quite a daring move. And I'm sure a lot of people will listen to this or watching this video, sorry, have made the same kind of, oh, do I? Is it, is it too early? Is it not right time? But, uh, but I made the jump. And uh, it's now been six years since uh, since I launched VR Focus, and um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Lovely, lovely, super. So I, I guess yes. I mean, it, it, you know, at the time when you were kind of like make the switch, at that point of time, it sound looks very risky, but I'm sure it was calculated because I mean, back then, I'm sure you must have seen something in AR, VR, MR, or immersive technology, and I guess that's. What, what possibly kind of pushed you to take that leap? You know, I think the same thing happened with me. I was largely with the creative industry and I, I was building content with my audio studio, video studio. And then 2000, early 2015, I discovered VR. And then I realized that, you know, it's the future. The way the uh, way uh, things are going to move, technology is going to play a big role. So tell me, what was it about uh, immersive technology that kind of pulled you uh, into from from a traditional journal, uh, journalist to uh, into this piece? So my, uh, my my first experience with modern VR, I mean, obviously I played VR in the 90s and, you know, it, it wasn't great. Uh, but my first experience with modern VR was actually with the Oculus Rift, uh, the DK1, but the HD version. And uh, it was CCP Games were making E-Valkyrie, which obviously was eventually a launch title for the Oculus Rift. And uh, I was at uh, an event in Germany called Gamescom, which happens every year. Um, and uh, a friend of mine was, was working on that game. So he was like, come along, have a go, see what you think. And I tried it. And obviously, Eve Valkyrie was a, a, an amazing game. It's a cockpit-based simulator, so there was no simulation sickness. Uh, it was very high-fidelity graphics. On the HD DK1, it, it worked beautifully. And even, uh, even then, at that point, I was like, okay, there's something special about this. But I didn't get to try it again for several months uh, after that when I 
was offered the opportunity to start VR Focus. And my first uh, uh, decision, the reason why I decided to jump all in on VR Focus was uh, I received a DK1 and I was playing around with it at home, uh, just like see at the time there was no real supporting software, so you had to dig on the internet to find what you could that would run on it. And uh, I managed to uh, hack the original version of Half-Life, uh, Half-Life 2, sorry, to uh, to work with a, a DK1. Uh, shortly after this, it became officially, unofficially supported, but my version of it was, it was falling apart the seams basically while I was playing it, but still just being immersed in that world, uh, a world that I was very familiar with because I played Half-Life 2 many times on, on PC and Xbox and PlayStation. So I, I knew the game, but I'd, ne- I'd never seen the world that it was set in in the same way as I saw it in a, on an Oculus Rift. And I said back then, and it, and it still stands true of VR to this day, that the VR that we can experience right now is a promise. It's a promise of something much more bigger and uh, uh, vastly more immersive than what we have right now. You can be impressed uh, by traveling to these these virtual worlds and being able to communicate with people halfway across the world. I mean, we're having this call now on a, you're on a 2D screen in front of me, but very soon you'll be a 3D avatar in front of me. And soon after that, you'll be a face scan 3D avatar and you'll be lip synced. And, you know, this is a promise building towards a future where uh, basically the, anything you can imagine will be possible in VR. And uh, that's the direction I've come to VR from. It's from the uh, immersion background, uh, from an entertainment background. Um, and so I, I hope that sometime in, in three years from now, we'll be having this call. We're both of us sat in headsets and your avatar will look exactly like you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, obviously, I guess it's all about the promise. And I guess that the, the ones who are vested in the, uh, the the space, I mean, see it, right? I mean, we, we see yeah. that it eventually the 2D medium is going to die down. It's taken 100 years to evolve, you know, but this is what it's, it, it's just a passive medium, right? I mean, we, but VR is going to be interactive. We're going to step into the story. We're going to step into the spatial computing and, and the promise. Yes, I mean, it, but you know what, in, in all fairness, I mean, we see it, but the ones who are not vested in the, uh, I mean, who do not understand it, I mean, they find it very difficult because because change comes comfortable with, with what we have, but uh, the future is coming so exponentially and, and, you know, we need to understand about this. So how do we, as a community builder, what are the steps you think we should do to try to get those uh, people who don't know uh, about this technology or how deeply this technology is going to impact them. What what do you think should be done to gather in those outsiders to uh, turn into believers of, of immersive technology? Well, obviously, the first thing is make it accessible for them to try. Um, I, I'm sure yourself and again, maybe watching this were the same as me in that you can you can see what it's going to be like and you have an idea, but until you actually try it yourself, you don't know. And it's, it's really right. hard to tell people exactly what VR is, and even AR for that matter, what they are and what they can be if they haven't had first-hand experience. Now, uh, nearly everybody I know has tried Pokemon Go, but that's like the lowest level of, of AR. It goes much, much, much deeper than that. Um, I, I love Pokemon Go, don't get me wrong, but um, but it's still it's, it's scratching the surface of AR. Um, and so to, get, so to tell someone that, oh, yes, this you can spin little balls on your phone and catch little monsters, but you can also have a heads-up display, which gives you street directions and, uh, you know, remembers the name of everybody you've ever met and, uh, you know, all that family history and all that kind of stuff. I've got a terrible memory for names, so that's what I want for AI. I want a little icon that appears and says, this is Eddie, you met him here, and this is what he does for a living. Because I, I, I'm terrible, terrible memory for that. 
So just just little things like that. I can see that future coming, but I can only see that coming because I've had the experience with it. So the first thing is getting people to actually experience this technology, get a, a headset on them, get a phone in their hands that can do AR, that, you know, uh, the Google Maps, the new Google Maps AR update is a brilliant uh, uh, example of this. Again, you've gone from Pokemon Go, which is just overlaying objects onto a, a real world environment, and then suddenly you hold your phone up and it tells you, it's got the arrows going, it's this street you turn down. It's not a 2D map anymore. It's showing you in the real world arrows, this is the way you need to travel, this is where your friends are. And uh, that is, that, yeah, that's the next step. Um, once people have actually experienced it, you then need to inform them of what the possibilities can be. So it's always best, I find, the experience that you should give to people is an experience that is something they're already familiar with. So again, Maps is a good example of this, but if you find someone that's working in the healthcare industry, there are loads of applications out there that are all about training, like uh, uh, CPR training, uh, resuscitation, and things like that. Show them, like, this is something that you're familiar with and you know how you would normally teach people it. This is how VR can do it. And that, will, that again, is going to open up a load of new doors. The architecture, there's loads of architecture applications out there. Uh, I, I was at a conference earlier this year on art in VR. All these different kinds of mediums, oh, they, they all transfer to VR as a new medium. So find first give them a try, try taste of it, and then give them a taste of something that they're familiar with so they can see how VR and AR is going to change it. Right, completely. Yes, I mean, I do agree that, I mean, till the time they don't try it themselves, it's, it's very hard to kind of like... Put those words around and say that you're going to be living, story living, a story experiencing. Uh, you know, we, we need to kind of like possibly simplify things and, and take it to them. You know, I mean, we could start with education and you, you mentioned healthcare. And, and at this point in time, I mean, largely, I guess, I mean, that's that, that's where the adoption is going. I mean, at least in India, I mean, there, there's more interest in the space when it comes to uh, enterprise and education, though even the entertainment side, gaming side are kind of exploring uh, uh, AR, VR, MR. So, you know, you've been uh, a VR journalist at the forefront of things since, uh, 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 like, one of the earliest movers, right? So you must have been privy to some of the, like, the top AR, VR companies. Now, lots of them have started with, like, really big hopes, maybe big money from the investors, and then they drop down and, you know, shut shop, you know? So which, are, are, according to you, are, are the the ARVR startups, which has been sustained since like uh, like some time, I mean, which, which are the couple of startups which you think are going to possibly design our future? My, my experience in VR, uh, for those companies that have been successful or approaching success now, are the ones that planned ahead. Now, um, we all know that VR hasn't grown as much as most people expect it to, but to be honest, it's, a, it's pretty much where I personally expect it to be. Uh, when I first started uh, a VR focus, I said that VR hit the mainstream was about 10 years out. And obviously, we're six years now uh, into VR uh, since then. So we've still got like another four years until I think VR is going to be real, like, impactful for society. And the startups that are going to be successful are the ones that plan for that future. Um, it, being able to launch a product now, a game or an application that can, that can generate revenue and make a profit is astounding. But there's only two, maybe three companies that have managed to do that in the entire world without selling it to a bigger company. So companies like Servius, uh, who made Raw Data, was one of their first games, and uh, uh, Vertigo Games in Holland that made Arizona Sunshine. Companies like, and obviously Beat Games with Beat Saber. Companies like this uh, are hugely successful already, and I wish them the best. It's wonderful to see some big names uh, getting big attention and making genuine money. But 
it's going to be hard to become one of those right now. The, the way I see it is that you need to plan. Um, so using games as an example, the game that you're building now needs to finance you, needs to make enough revenue to pay for you to make the next one. That's the way you should always be seeing it. Keep yourself one step ahead. You don't need to go out and make $10 million and buy everyone on the company Ferraris or anything like that. VR's not there yet. But if you can make sure that you survive until that time when VR is there, that's how you're going to be successful. Rightfully said. I guess, I mean, you know, yes, I mean, we all know that AR, VR is at it, its very nascent stage. And I guess right now people are expecting too much out of a technology which is at a very nascent stage. Yes, it holds the promise. Yes, maybe it can kind of like uh, converge your mobile phones and your computer into one single wearable device. Yeah, and it's going to help us enter the spatial computing. But yes, I mean, right now we are at a nascent stage. And yes, I mean, you rightfully said you plan for the future and sustain yourself because sustainability being the main thing. You sustain yourself to the point where you can come to the point where the industry grows and then you start building. But you start right now. And as a startup, I think, I mean, you know, you need to build products or services which adds value right now and not you know, think about the future. I'm sorry, you were saying something. Sorry, the, the products that are being built right now uh, that I am personally am finding are, are becoming more successful is tools. It's software tools to help other people make VR and right. AR applications. That's what the, where the buzz is right now. You mentioned earlier that enterprises being very successful in India. Well, that's, it's the same in, in Europe and, and America. Enterprise is where most of the money is right now. But the, the products that are coming up late 2019 and for most of 2020, in, in my mind, are going to be tools. It's going to be the, the devices, sorry, the, the systems that help other people make end-user end products. That's what's going to be, that's what's going to be where the, the transition from enterprise is. It's not, we're not going to enterprise consumer. It's going to be enterprise tools consumer. Um, and that's, uh, that's where I think the 2020 is going to be, uh, at least the early part of 2020. It's all going to be about who makes the stuff for the makers. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, we need to enable others with uh, the the like, like you said, rightfully built tools that enable enable others. So, so, so tell me, I mean, tell me more about Admix. You, you, you are the lead evangelist. Yeah, lead evangelist at Admix. So, so please uh, share me some details about Admix. So, Ad Admix, um, it's not really a tool. It doesn't really fall into that category, but you could consider right. that, I guess. Um, so Admix is a, a non-intrusive advertising platform. So what that means, the comparison I always give, which I think I gave to you when we first spoke, right, right. Um, is um, that on a traditional mobile game, um, so um, I, I mean, I don't want to point out any names, but you can imagine when there's bits of candy falling from the top of the screen and you have to match them in puzzle sets of three, a game like that would have uh, an advertising banner across the bottom of the screen or maybe an interstitial pop-up ad, which appears once you complete a level, you have to watch this video for 30 seconds. Things like that are all well and good on a, on a two-dimensional screen. It's there in front of you, you can look away, that doesn't matter. In VR, if that pop-up ad appears in front of your face, suddenly you're not in the world anymore. You're, you're there watching an advert. And that doesn't work in VR, it's, it's, it's going to be terrible. So the, the idea of AdMix is it gives developers uh, an, op an option to place adverts in the world. So if you're, say you're building a city scene, 
Now, I've never traveled to your part of the world, so I don't know what it's like where you are, but where I am here in London, every city corner has a billboard on it. Every city corner is telling me about what's new on Netflix or what coffee I should buy. Um, And uh, so what Admix does is if you were building a city scene, you're able to place those billboards in the the world just like they would be in real life. And uh, the developers then gain revenue for every impression that that advert makes. So uh, if, for example, I'm in a VR experience and uh, I'm sitting there with my, well, that's about 90 degrees, my 90 degree viewpoint, and I'm looking over here and no advert is there. And then I look over here and the billboard appears up to the side. I don't have to stare at the advert like on a mobile device. It's just in my field of view, in my world. And the developer will make revenue from that. Uh, And that's the whole idea of non-intrusive. It doesn't take the player out of the experience. It doesn't ruin the immersion. But it still allows the brand for that message to be delivered and the developer to make revenue from that. So Admix has been designed for this interim stage. As I say, it's uh, VR right now is not making hundreds of thousands of millionaires across the world. Um, but we do what we do need to bring revenue into the industry. We do need developers to be able to get from project A to project B to project C. And so Admix is going to help generate revenue for those developers. Developers who can't charge $40, $50 for their game they can make revenue from placing advertising. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Immersive advertising. I, I think it's it's such a big opportunity over there. Non non intrusive ads. You know, I mean, uh, virtual reality at this point in time is an isolating experience. But if you look at it, it's such a plus point. I mean, for uh, 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 for somebody who, who's a brand, you've got a captive audience. You know, and you can actually get us all his where he's looking and stuff like that. So yes, there's a big opportunity over there. So, so tell me, I mean, besides Admix, you also are uh, you just recently founded VR. AR pioneers, right? right. So, uh, so, okay. so yeah, uh, so VR AR pioneers is actually a really exciting opportunity. So because I come from VR focus, uh, my CEO at Mix, Sam Huber, shout out to Sam if he watches this. Um, so Sam, Sam was obviously very keen to, to keep me writing because it's what I'm known for. So uh, he had a, a community, a Facebook community called VR AR pioneers. And we decided when I first uh, started AdMix that uh, we were going to launch VIARPioneers.com uh, because it works both ways. Uh, essentially, it allows me to still flex my ability to write my, my muscle, which is something I very much enjoy doing. But it also means that AdMix can give back to the community. So what we do is we have a, a, a lot of uh, resources on there. So we, we post uh, articles that offer tips and guidance and um, uh, you know uh, simple things like SEO strategy how to you know, improve the ranking of your website, things like that. But also uh, articles on like uh, what kind of events you should attend if you wish to show your VR product. Um, and we also have lots of guest posts from uh, people around the world who specialize in specific areas. Uh, we have, for example, there's uh, a gentleman that uh, was just doing PR for a VR game, and he's writing a feature series on how PR for VR video games differs from traditional video games. Um, we also have yourself, who's written a piece for a few pieces for us now on uh, what the VR scene is like in India, which obviously the reaction we've had from a lot of developers in, in Europe and America, I've, I've said this to you before, a lot of them have come back to me and said, we never even thought of India as a market. And now this, this guy telling us this is a, this is a huge thing. So uh, hopefully we're going to see more American games translated to, for launching, uh, localized, sorry, for launching India soon. Um, and uh, so VR AR Pioneers really is an opportunity for, uh, for myself and for Admix to to work with the development community and find out what it is that they need and where Admix can help them outside of generating revenue. 
lovely lovely and and, and you you i mean you building a community you know with whatever you been doing vr focus admix or vr ar pioneers and thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, uh, write for vr ar pioneers you know so 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 you know what as as a community builder you know at times it can get very very difficult because what we are doing at this point and because the, the industry is in such a nascent stage monetization becomes such a big problem so because right now like i have i've got emerging vr fest which i founded it's it's india's first vr film festival conference you know and uh, yes i mean things uh, i've been pushing this since 2016 to make uh, the the vr film festival uh, happen so i can like knocked at each and every big companies do that i mean ar vr is the big thing and we need to build this festival so we build a community and build the ecosystem but everybody said eddy that's a great idea but i think you're too early into the ecosystem but then i didn't let my i didn't stop I put in my own thing, then I, I, I build AR, uh, the, the VR film festival and conference. I put together XROM, which is the digital uh, news platform, and also the podcast XROM podcast right now. But it gets at time it it gets so very difficult to sustain it. So what would be your advice to uh, people like me, uh, uh, you know, who are possibly around the world i think we're going to play a big role in in building this ecosystem forward what should one do to uh, you know i mean build a community which is a global community because that's that's the only way i think we can grow the ecosystem uh, uh, forward of of this technology which is in such a nascent stage so i i, I learned a lot from uh, my time uh, leading vr focus as ceo over um so essentially when i was doing vr focus on we were very siloed it's like this is our team and it's only our team that can do this um then when i moved to admix and started vr our pioneers and didn't have a team and it was just essentially just me doing these things i realized that that is not necessarily the way that everything should be run so vr focus speaks directly to consumers um it's a consumer based website it reports on what's coming up and what is available now um and there's no secrets it is very much in the consumer space with with pioneers because I'm targeting developers a lot of the stuff is much much earlier um so i've realized for this point i can't do everything myself so my advice to people that are building communities out there uh within the it, within the industry not the consumer end but within the industry like xr and and pioneers is that if somebody offers you an olive branch if somebody's going to say You know what? I love this and I want to help out. Just say yes. Just say yes. Let let other people in. And you don't have to be siloed like VR focus is. You can go, you know what? Let's give that a try. If it works, great. If it doesn't, nobody's going to be nobody's going to be mad at you, you know. At least you're trying, at least you're doing new things. I know a lot of people that have founded uh, meetup groups. Uh there's a uh, uh, meetup group SFVR in San Francisco. There's another really strong one, uh, Silicon Valley VR. Um S, it's called SVVR. Um, and there's one in Orange County. This is just down the coastline of, of West America. Um, and then there's loads in London as well. And all these meetup groups, they they operate in a very similar fashion in that they have one person who is like the chairman, the leader of the group. But they have dozens of people that just help out and just like, you know what, this guy's busy, so I'm going to muck in and do that. And the same works with online communities. VR AR pioneers is very much a case of if I'm not there and I can't do it, somebody else will come along and help. and I'm happy to let them help and I would expect the same from XR on this once the, the community grows that you're going to get people knocking down your door saying hey you know what can I help out and you need to say yes yeah or 
obviously because I, I really believe the collaboration is the future and I guess that's the only way you can grow the ecosystem. So tell me, I mean, at this point in time, the the industry is moving extremely slowly, right? I mean, you know, you uh, at, at this point in time, I've been going and talking at various conferences and, you know, not just in UK, but around Europe and around the world. So where do you think the current industry stand at this point in time? Well, I actually couldn't disagree more with what you just said. Um, you mentioned the VR industry is moving very slowly. No chance. It's moving rapidly again. Um, I, I, this industry is constantly snowballing and building up pace. Um, this uh, this holiday season in uh, in Europe is just massive for VR. The Oculus Quest is selling out everywhere. Um, as you mentioned earlier, it's Christmas Eve today. If you haven't got an Oculus Quest now, you're not getting one. They're sold out everywhere. Um, on, on Amazon, they're going for about 20% more than the actual retail price because people have bought them in bulk and they're trying to sell them on and make money off them. Um, so uh, VR is transitioning. It's in a period of transitioning, sorry, period of transition where uh, the actual consumer adoption rate is, for, for gaming again, because that's my background, the consumer adoption rate is going to increase dramatically over this holiday period. I always said when the Oculus Quest was first announced in October, sorry, September, Last year, so September 2018, they announced it was going to launch early in 2019. And I said right then and there, is this holiday period has to make a difference. If this holiday period, we don't see record sales for the Oculus Quest, then Oculus have wasted their opportunity. And you know what? We're seeing massive sales. Um, so what's going to happen in my mind is that uh, we're going to have an inflection point now. Everyone who's got their Quest for Christmas is going to show it to all their friends, and everyone's going to love it. And like I said earlier, the best way to get people to love VR is to demo it to them. So exactly. now you're going to get, uh, essentially, again, my job title was lead evangelist, but Oculus are now going to get a load of free evangelists, people that are going to go out and go, look at this awesome thing I just got for Christmas, pop it on their heads. Now you think it's awesome too. And this is the inflection point. This is the time when uh, the uh, people who knew nothing about VR until they put that headset on, they're going to be, wow, I want to get one of these too. And so while we're getting record sales this Christmas period, it's actually going to be next year where the landscape's changed completely. There's going to be people going out and buying headsets constantly throughout the year. And Oculus um, have this strategy for the, so obviously, as I'm sure you know, and most people watching this know, the Oculus Quest is a closed garden as such. You can't launch a product on Oculus Store unless Oculus says so. So Oculus has been doing this thing where um, essentially they're bottlenecking software releases. They're, uh, sorry, bottleneck is the wrong word, throttling. So um, they can only uh, they only allow a certain amount of new content to launch on the store over a period of time. And that's that's it's been annoying for developers this year, but it's a clever strategy because it means that throughout the tail end of this year and all of next year, there's going to be a constant stream of new releases. Every week there'll be something new because they've got a backlog that they're working through so they can make sure that there's constantly new software and something new and exciting. So if you go around to your friend's house uh, two days, three days from now and you play something, think, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I, I want to get one of those. Then you go back a week later and play something else that's cool and brand new. And then you go back a week later. Eventually, you're going to go, right, okay, there's too much cool stuff now. I need to go get one. And when you do get one, there's going to be new stuff even then. It's not all going to be the stuff that you've seen at your friend's house or, or playing out in public. So there is going to be this, this massive ramp up over 2020 with consumers in the gaming, in the gaming uh, sphere. Um, so I don't believe that we're going slow. I believe that we're still at rapid pace. Uh, there's new handsets, new phones coming out constantly that do much better AR. 
So uh, I, I myself am a Pixel lover. Um, I, I have a Google Pixel phone, XL of course, because I've got massive hands. Um, and uh, the AR that you see going from Pixel 1 to 2 to 3 to 4, it's just a, a, amazing differences. And obviously the new iPhones and all the new Samsung phones are massively AR compatible. And AR, uh, in my mind, is uh, a case of we do need to get from the magic window to the world. Um, so the handset, if you imagine, you're basically holding up a window where the magic happens, whereas eventually we'll get to glasses where the world, uh, the world becomes magic. So we do need to make that transition with AR. And VR is a little bit ahead in that sector because of the, the fact that it necessitates you closing off the world so you can create anything you want in VR. Um, but that will come as well. I recently had the pleasure of uh, using the Enreal Light glasses. Have you seen those? No, I, I, I'm just seen it obviously in the promos YouTube, but have not for, had a first-hand experience. Obviously, they are. They are. They are. I was. I was blown away. They are genuinely as good as they say. Um, so uh, I, I believe. Don't quote me on this, although someone probably will. I believe about three hundred dollars, uh, if memory serves. Um, and when you compare that to a HoloLens or a Magic Leap 1, there's just no competition. Wow. It's, it's just it's, uh, the Enreal Light uh, glasses are phenomenal. Um, so that the transition from Magic Window to Magic World is going to happen soon. Um, and so, yeah, with VR hitting consumers finally and AR making that transition from smartphone to headset, you're wrong, Eddie. We're still yeah, going to Yeah, yeah I, I, obviously. I mean, I want to be proved wrong because <laughs> I want this industry to like really grow into a big thing. So, so yes, I mean, I'm, 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 thank you for sharing all the information. And so, 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 so in India, we have more than around 200-odd ARVR MR startups in the country, right? And, and now some of these startups would actually want to kind of explore uh, the the. the the global market too. Now, would you be open to kind of like get in touch with them, kind of have, cover them and stuff like that? Because my listeners would want to know because I'm sure there'll be like all these developers and content creators, starters, startups who are doing some really cool stuff, you know, and, and would want to kind of reach out to the UK market. So maybe possibly kind of reach, uh, uh, you know, showcase this stuff, you know, so investors get to know that this is what they're doing. So would you be open to like covering them, uh, interviewing uh, startups or of yeah. So um, it's really the, the two different sides that you're asking about. We've got the VR focus and the VR AR pioneers. So uh, the way to handle this is always very much who are you focused on at this point in time. So if you're looking for consumers, people to, uh, to buy your product, actual money, you, you want VR focus. And uh, the way that that works is that someone who's launching a game or an application two, three months from now will get in touch with me. We discuss the best way in which we would cover them, be it an interview, running a trailer, hands-on piece, whatever it may be. And once we've uh, outlined that strategy, I would then put them in touch with the writing team at VR Focus and say, this is what we believe is the route for travel, and that's the way we would execute it. But that has to be quite a while before they actually launch. It has to be a few months, because my writing team, obviously, there is a lot of content out there, and they need time to actually get hands-on and get to grips with what, what this is and edit the content. So uh, that's VR focus. Now, if you're just looking to raise your profile, if you're looking to get some awareness out there and get some interest raised, if you're looking to uh, put a couple of links in a pitch deck for investors, or if you're looking to reach out to other people in the development community, that's pioneers. And the way that that works is that you can get in touch with me, and much like you did, Eddie, when we first spoke, we can talk about what it is you're doing and how that applies. 
to the industry in uh, in America and Europe specifically, but also we, we do have a large audience in Korea and Japan. Um, and uh, figure out what it is that you're doing that these people aren't achieving, what it is that makes you special. And then we can execute on that, be that um, a regular series or a one-off piece about that special thing that you have that nobody else has. And Pioneers is very much about sharing with the rest of the community. So if you're doing something that nobody else has seen, by all means, put pen to paper, write it down, share it, let other people learn from it, and they will remember that. They will very much remember um, again, using Eddie here as an example, the amount of people that are constantly asking me about immersion fest, and I'm like, I, well, I don't know, I wasn't there, I know nothing about it. <laughs> and uh, so obviously, I shout, shout them out, take turns, go to the website and such. And that kind of connection is what Pioneers is all about. People that uh, have something that nobody else has got, share it. Let's grow this community together. Completely, I guess that's the only way to grow. I mean, you know, come together, collaborate, and you know, help each other and grow the community. So tell me, I mean, you know. Uh, where do you see AR, VR, MR in the next uh, five years and 10 years period? So five years is one year after it's going to go massive and hit the mainstream. So in, in five years time, uh, v, I don't believe we'll be quite at the single headset yet. I do believe that VR and AR are going to converge and become one headset. Uh, I saw a really interesting patent by Microsoft a few years ago before the HoloLens was announced where they had a, an AR device with glasses, an AR device, and had a shutter that you'd close. And the light particles that were projected were then reflected against a, a, a black screen. So it went from being AR to VR in one device. I don't think we'll get that within five years, definitely within 10. But within five years, it will be that um, VR and AR will, will be, uh, they'll be ubiquitous. Everybody will know what VR and AR is. Um, whether they have one at home or not, I don't know. But the majority of people, especially people our age group and younger, everyone will have tried it. Uh, everyone will know what it is. It will become a part of everyday life. Um, within 10 years, everybody will be doing it. Uh, my, my mother will be sat at home watching EastEnders in VR. Um, it will be, it'll be everywhere you go. Every, everyone you speak to will know exactly what it is. Everyone will have a device on their coffee table that can do both AR, VR, MR, XR, ZR, YR, whatever you want to call it at that time, <laughs> everyone will know what it is. And the thing is, uh, as, as we mentioned a few times on this on this chat, it's not just about entertainment. Uh, you'll be using it in your in your everyday life at work, uh, special computing as such. Uh, you'll be having calls like this uh, as if it was as if it was just like clicking call on Skype. You'll just put the headset on. You'll be there with your colleagues or your friends or your family. Um, yeah, that's my genuine view as to where it's going to go. Yeah, lovely. So, I mean, you know, the future looks so exciting, you know. Yes, the possibilities are endless, you know, when when this technology matures. It, you're saying it's exciting now. In 10 years, you'll get bored of it. It's like, oh, I want you to look like a dragon today. I'm bored of looking at your face on this conference call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, exactly. So, the, the possibilities are uh, endless. I mean, you'll start possibly redesigning and redefining what we call reality. In in, to just to, I mean, in, in, to end on a speculative note, uh, what are your views on the simulation theory? I mean, do you think that if we push virtual reality, maybe in another 10, 20 years down the line, you know, at this point in time, we're talking about, uh, there are already people who are actually uh, uh, taking uh, the, the, the cognitive structure of a near uh, C. elegant worm, 
or or or, or rat and kind of like they're uploading it, it onto a computer because the C elegant worm is somewhere around just 320 odd neurons and I don't know the exact uh, the, the the size of 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 mice but uh, they they can at this point in time upload the entire cognitive structure on a computer right okay do, yeah do do you see this uh, with with companies like Neuralink, Elon Musk company Neuralink, Facebook, which which, which is still fronting brain computer interface. Then there's Brian Johnson uh, with Kernel, who's looking at uh, brain computer interface. Do you see a future where it'll come to a point where we will not be able to decipher between what is virtual and what is a physical reality? So I I don't believe in the matrix now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do very much believe that there, there will come a time when, uh, you know, we are able to, uh, upload a version of ourselves essentially to computers and the internet and there will be an AI existence of us in, in the cloud or however you want to see it in however long that takes. Uh, I can't believe it's in the next 10 years, but maybe 40 years from now, I do believe that'll be possible. The question obviously is, should we, um, so uh, when I first jumped into VR, a lot of people shared with me that image. I'm sure you've seen it of the, the guy alone in his empty room where the windows are smashed and whatever else. He just sat in the corner under a blanket in VR. And a lot of people shared, it was like, this is going to be you in five years, Jeff. Um, and that, I, I don't believe that's going to be the case. There will never be a 100% precise uh, replacement for face-to-face -face contact. Um, just, even just the tactile feedback of shaking somebody's hand or, or eye contact. We can get a close facsimile, but there's never going to be a 100% replacement. And I don't believe we're ever going to get technology, not in my lifetime at least. I don't believe we're going to get the technology where uh, uh, being sat across the table from somebody eating dinner is going to be 100% replicable. Rep, rep, uh, 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 you know what I mean? 100% reproduced <laughs> in, in, in virtual reality. Uh, uh, we'll get pretty close, but that's not going to happen. So uh, being able to upload like, like cognitive structure and things like that, yes, uh, that that will be capable. You'll be capable of that, but I'm pretty sure it's going to end up being uh, much like uh, uh, a film CGI, for example. Today, uh, I recently saw uh, uh, Alita: Battle Angel, which is a James Cameron film, and I love it. Right. It's absolutely okay. amazing. But I could still tell that the the lead character Alita, her eyes had been adapted by CGI to make them bigger. Um, and that's what this this will be like, in, at least in my lifetime, when the virtual Eddie is on the computer somewhere. I'll know if it's the real Eddie I'm talking to or the virtual one. <laughs> so, so thank you, Kevin. Thank you for giving time and being part of XR podcast. It was a lovely conversation. And uh, yeah, thank you for being part of it. And yes, um, for the ones who are listening, if you like what you see in here, please press the subscribe button. And I will leave all the uh, the details behind Kevin. So if, if you want to get in touch with uh, Kevin, uh, I'm going to have his uh, details uh, linked up below for you. And until next time, I'm going to see you. Bye-bye. See you. And Kevin, thank you for being part Thanks of the so podcast. I really appreciate this. Yeah, thank you.